On this episode of Long Riders Radio, we're going to talk with some random rookie we found who finished somewhere in the top 50. Coming up! Support for Long Riders Radio comes from DiscountRamps.com. DiscountRamps.com offers a huge selection of power sports products for your ATV, UTV, motorcycle, and more. Everything you need to load, haul, or transport your power sports toys. Long Riders Radio listeners can save 15% off their order by using coupon code LONG. That's L-O-N-G at DiscountRamps.com. Well, hey there, everyone. Justin here. First episode back from the uh, 2021 Iron Butt Rally. And uh, as has been the tradition, the first episode back will be an interview with the winner of that event. And so we'll get into it with uh, Mr. Mike Brook. Come up here in a second. Did want to make a quick shout that, uh, hey, this is our 100th episode on this podcast. And I uh, never thought we'd get to 100, um, but we did. And that is in no small part due to the the support that I've received from, from people out there, both people who are Patreon supporters, people who give one-time donations, people who bought shirts, bought stickers, people who use that discount code at uh, discountramps.com. I mean, every single one of you has made it possible for me to to make this show, and I uh, can't thank you enough. Uh, second thing I wanted to talk about before we got in got into it with Mike is just a thank you to Lisa Landry, Michael Kneebone, Jeff Rawls, and every single one of the volunteers and staff on the Iron Butt Rally, you have once again uh, put on the pinnacle of rally events and everything is second to none and first class. And I, I want to throw a, a very special thank you to Jeff Earls because I, I mentioned in the episode that the, the only similarity about a Jeff Earls rally is that it's not like the last Jeff Earls rally or any other Jeff Earls rally. Uh, and I want to add one more thing onto that. And that is that, Every aspect of that route was meticulously laid out. And there was a reason why that particular bonus had a time limit. There was a reason why this bonus was placed in this place and not this place. And I can only imagine how difficult that was for Jeff, given all the restrictions and and whatnot that were going into COVID. He created an event that could have very easily been run during the pandemic and with minor, minor changes could have been run, um, last summer, quite frankly. So thank you to Jeff for, for his, his hard work on that. I'm sure it took him an entire year to do it. And, uh, he did a phenomenal job as always, and, uh, really can't thank him enough and all the rest of the staff and, and Lisa and Mike for making those 11 days of my life. So very special. I can't thank you enough. So with that, let's get into it with Mike and I'll uh, catch you on the flip side. Well, on the line, we have the winner of the 2021 Iron Butt Rally. This is getting to be a little bit of a tradition, last three Iron Butts, to have the Iron Butt Rally winner on this show uh, right immediately following the uh, the rally itself. So I want everyone to welcome with a, a great virtual round of applause, Mr. Mike Brook, who thoroughly kicked all our butts in the Iron <laughs> Butt Rally. Welcome to Long Riders Radio. <laughs> Hey guys, uh, super pumped to be here. This is uh, an honor to be on the show. Honestly, man, I, I wanted to kind of wait till you uh, started this thing, but I've been listening to this show since uh, you know I 
started doing the rallying stuff. And I, this has just been a, uh, a, such a valuable tool to listen to everybody's experiences, um, everybody's mishaps, uh, what people have done well, what they wish they would have done differently. Um, it was a big part of just, uh, preparing for the rally, honestly, was going back and re-listening to so many people's stories. Um, and it's been a weird, it's been a weird experience of going through and where, not knowing a lot of the riders and then knowing more and more of the names and then getting to know a lot of these people personally. And then, uh, I mean, now being interviewed for, for winning the rally, it's just, uh, Ah, awesome. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for what you do. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Uh, why don't you start off? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Cause I'm guessing there's a lot of people out there that don't know you. All right. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I still consider myself new, newer to the, the rallying, uh, scene, um, I've probably done half a dozen or so, um, competitive rallies, shorter rallies. You know, I started with a Cal 24 out on the West coast, which was my father-in-law's rally. I rode that, um, right after he passed away. And, uh, I swore after I got off the motorcycle the first time being riding 24 hours straight that I was never going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the craziest, most ridiculous thing I've ever done. I'm never doing that again. And then, uh, well, here we are. So, <laughs> here we are. well, let's, let's yeah. make a quick, quick shout out of who your father-in-law was. So, uh, Tom Melchild, uh, was highly regarded in the community of long distance riding. If you've ever met him, you know, his laugh, you know, uh, his presence. He's just a one of kind individual. And, um, yeah, I wish, I wish he was around so you could interview him, you'd have to probably yeah. do about a, a five-part series and half of them would be <laughs> jokes and inappropriate stories and things. But And anyone who's listening who knows Tom is totally busting up laughing because they know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, I guess, so my first question about the Iron Butt Rally, how's it feel now that you won it? Oh, man. It's, uh, honestly, I'm still kind of in this, like, haze. Uh, it's, it's kind of surreal, you know? I've been in this mental state preparing for it for so long. And then, uh, after doing it and, um, you know, going out and doing what I wanted to do and, and winning the thing, uh, man, yeah, it's, uh, it's a heck of a feeling. Um, and I'm still, I'm still recuperating for sure. I'm yeah. still ca- catching up on sleep. I'm, I'm pretty well caught up in sleep, but my body is, uh, very unhappy with, what I put it through for, for 12 days, I actually lost 15 pounds. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So the, yeah. let's, let's, the, the, I think the most unique thing about your ride is the motorcycle you chose to do it on. Yeah, no and doubt. So you, you were on a 2008 Suzuki Hayabusa, which if I was listing out motorcycles that I would want to run the iron <laughs> butt rally on, that would be somewhere between a Ural and a uh, yeah. KLR 650, I think. Uh, so, yeah. why um, Hayabusa? Okay, so I this is the second one I've had. When I was younger, I had uh, a Hayabusa. I had a 2000. I was always into the, the drag racing and the horsepower and uh, the custom type stuff. I was a mechanic uh, since I was old enough to turn a wrench and mm. um, wrenched, wrenched on cars professionally all the way up until I started uh, getting into the airline career. And the Hayabusa for me was just a cool bike that I wanted to kind of put my, my touch on, um, when I first started getting into the rally stuff, I did not pick it because I thought it was going to be some ideal platform. 
Um, in fact, I think a lot of people look at it and kind of look at it as almost as like a hopeless class kind of thing. Yeah. But that being said, um, after all of the years of making this bike rally appropriate, um, other than the ergonomics, it is probably the most capable bike in the field as far as just efficiency and capability. Yeah. Um, it, it is uh, an amazing motorcycle. Yeah. It's just not the most was, comfortable I, to be on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I should, I should have probably prefaced that with, with you riding what started out life as a 2008 Suzuki Hayabusa. Yeah, exactly. Significantly modified from there. I, I am uh, pretty confident that it's about the only one on the planet that is set up the way it is. <laughs> yeah. So let, I want to talk about that because I have... I kind of mentioned in our in our pre-show t- discussion that I got lots of questions of stuff okay. to ask you, and a lot of them were surrounding the, the motorcycle. <laughs> um, so the first one is so there was actually on the LD Rider list there was a, a a thread going, or actually it was on, I think on the IB Done list about your gas mileage and that you you average about forty four or forty five miles to the gallon, and, or better, yeah, or better, or better. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I mean, just looking at that bike, I mean, everything is kind of within the slipstream of the bike. There's nothing hanging out. Obviously, I'm guessing that was completely intentional. Absolutely. And, and everything I've done with that bike is for has been for efficiency, not just with mileage, but that's been a big part of it. But um, just efficiency with the operation of, you know, stopping at bonuses, um, navigating, how to get stuff on and off the bike, where it's stored and what I bring, you know, how mm-hmm. much I bring. Um, it's almost like a, an ultralight backpacker, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you, you don't, if you don't need it, you don't bring it. And that's yeah. kind of, kind of the attitude I've taken with it. Um, if I don't need it, I don't bring it. Um, <laughs> I remember riding out to a rally, um, early on, uh, one of the first HW threes I rode and, uh, riding out with a bunch of guys, Jerry White was one of them. And, uh, I, at the time I didn't have a chain oiler and I was stopped to lube my chain and, and Jerry opens up his side case and he's got like four cans of chain lube and, you know, all <laughs> kinds of tools. And I'm going, Holy cow. I, I brought this little tiny bottle of chain lube to get me through this rally. This guy's set for a year, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, everything with the bike has been set up for efficiency. You know, the, I've, it's been re-geared. Um, it's been, mm. so I, I've gone down on a, on the, um, the rear sprocket. Um, the ECU has been remapped and dyno tuned, um, for efficiency. Really. Um, I've got a chain oiler that makes it completely maintenance free chain operation. Usually maybe we'll get to that, but, um, yeah. Lake three was a different story. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you saw the lights and everything, the lights are all integrated into the bike. So there's just nothing really hanging off the bike, um, that, that hinders the airflow from stock. And yeah. it's a very aerodynamic bike and I carry exactly 11 and a half gallons of fuel. And between all those efficiencies kind of put together, um, I, I can get well into the fifties sometimes on the miles per gallon. Um, and then up wow. at the higher speeds where most bikes really fall off. Um, it, it's still, it's still in solid in the mid forties. You've got to be going pretty fast to get it down any lower than that. Um, yeah. there was one tank of gas I stopped for during the rally where I got, uh, 547 miles out of a, a fuel, wow. fuel load. So, yeah. So, I don't think anyone's going to be running out to buy a Hayabusa for uh, rally riding, but um, it does pretty well. 
Well, you, you kind of glossed over what I think is one of the cooler parts of your bike. It was something, when I saw you at the North by Northwest rally, it was something I keyed in on right away, is that your headlights are actually clear water <laughs> lights integrated into the stock locations. And I thought that yeah. was the coolest looking thing. And uh, it, it, that just, was it a, looks so nice. It, it, it came out really well. Um, it was a good couple week project. It had been in the back of my mind for a while that I would wanted to do that. I already had a modified headlight that, that, uh, was pretty good. Um, I made a few modifications to it. Um, but it was just one of those things where I wanted to take this thing from zero and, and stuff that Sabina and that Erica in there. And I didn't know if I could mm -hmm. do it. And then uh, I got my hands on a pair or an Erica and a Sabina and, uh, just started going to town and it took a lot of fabrication to build a the bracketry behind the yeah, scenes that you couldn't see and then <clears throat> all the plastic work that it took to make it look finished and not you know not hokey um oh, yeah. it looks absolutely stock i mean it, you it, could, it if you could not tell if you weren't if you didn't realize it, that those were it came out really well and, and the thing is it still actually has a little bit of adjustment in it um the mm -hmm. only thing that's not adjustable is the the erica and the savina independently they, they are if you got in there and adjusted them on the steel bracket in the in the rear but um yeah. the factory adjuster will actually tilt it up and down and yeah it it throws a lot of light down the road um and it is just a fantastic setup Clear, uh, clearwater does an amazing job i've gone down there and talked to them in person a few times and um glenn i think it is i believe he hmm. he was uh he was pretty blown away with the setup too <laughs> yeah um so the next part i want to talk about to stay on the on the theme of the bike here for a second is your GPS setup because I mean if you look at you walk down the start and watch look at what everyone's running people are running three four GPSs they've got freaking laptops up there you obviously don't have that much room so what did you run yeah I'm I'm very limited on real estate so um, but I have just as much more just as much or more stuff than everyone else has got. Um, I've got a Garmin XT that I picked up here, um, not that long ago. And I, I really do like the XT. I'm not a huge fan of Garmin products or their software in general, but the XT far as its interface and its screen is, is fantastic. It's a really nice unit, um, way better than a lot of the other Garmin stuff. Um, so I'm running that. Um, I've got an old Garmin 665, which, oh, wow. um, it, yeah, it's old and outdated. I can't even update the maps on it anymore. Um, yeah. But for timing purposes, it is the best tool I have. If it breaks, I am going to be so SOL because it is it is <laughs> it is so tuned to my rally pace and what what I do on that bike that um, I I'll plug in. I'll either build a route, and import it into the 665, or a huge leg of a route, or just put. Um, you know, waypoint to waypoint to waypoint in there. And it's timing is exact. And I know that every gas stop I make, every time I pull off the road, every time I take a picture, I'm adding time to that 66, 65 that takes a long, long time to earn back. If it, if that possible at all, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't, you don't make time on the 665. You just lose time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but it's, so, a, it's a, it's a tool that is just extremely valuable. Yeah. And then I run two cell phones. Hmm. Why two? Um, one is just the my primary navigation for Google, um, my speed. Everything Bluetooth is hubbed through my uh, first phone. Um, so my radar detector, um, my remote, and my Cena all go to my phone. 
And then my second phone is my rally camera. And it's, wow. uh, it's, it's my rally book. So reading the rally book, uh, routing, um, anything, man, it's endless, you know? Um, and yeah. it's right, right there in front of me. And uh, both of them I've got on, uh, those new, uh, quad lock wireless charging heads. So everything's waterproof. Um, oh, nice. and I, I learned through heart of Texas that I, I thought everything was waterproof until I rode heart of Texas and, and basically rode around like a submarine for four days and, uh, <laughs> re- realized that some stuff was not waterproof. So, <laughs> uh, the wireless charging heads are a new feature. <laughs> I'm looking up these quad lock. I've never heard of quad locks. Yeah, quad lock oh, makes a really a really nice case. Um, and I had the X grip. Most people use the X grip, and that worked. Mm-hmm. It worked okay. Um, I, I had my phone come out one time in a couple years with the X grip, but the quad lock is a much more secure mount. And then they make a charging head, a wireless charging head. So um, it it's a great setup for a motorcycle. It really is. Yeah. And with the new technology they have in the new charging head, you can have a phone where it's, you know, full brightness, it's navigating, it's running multiple apps, it's doing everything, and it'll still charge. It's not going to charge yeah. fast, but it's not going to deplete while you're while you're using it. So Exactly, yeah. And then the nice thing about it is you can just on and off your mount. Um, mm-hmm. If you're using it as your rally camera, on and off the mount, take the picture of your bonus and back on and, and you're on your way. So nice. it's... Um, serves a lot of uses yeah so one of the things with obviously riding a sport bike is your riding position is very much forward yeah how did you i mean how do you deal with being in that position for so long every i mean during a ride so, like this you know on um as long as i'm on some sort of more open road especially interstate um i'm actually pretty comfortable um, I've got a, a very comfortable seat that's fit well for me. I've got uh, bar risers, um, Healy bars, and it, you know, I'm not extraordinarily tall. I don't have really long arms, so it's, it, it is not, it's not horribly uncomfortable. Um, and up at high speeds, I can move around a lot. I'm always sliding around on the motorcycle, kind of hanging my legs off, standing up, doing different things. There's a lot of, uh, Hayabusa yoga that's going on to stay, to stay comfortable, <laughs> Um, but it, it's not bad at all. Um, up at, uh, freeway speeds and straight roads on, yep. on tighter, twistier, more technical roads, especially if you're drawn out for hours and hours and hours, it gets very tedious and very tiring yeah. because you have to be down more on the bars and you have to be using a little bit of core strength to, to be light on the bars. And, uh, I, I realized that on day 11, uh, when I was out in California, riding roads that are, I know I'm very familiar with, but definitely the most technical riding of the rally, um, where my body was just so tired, so fatigued yeah. that I found myself going wide on so many corners because I was just, you know, elbows locked, just holding my dead weight over the bars, you know, and it was yeah. just not not the way to ride a twisty road. <clears throat> how did you how did you do mental? like mental acuity as the rally went on. Cause that's always the thing I find kind of starts to go as you like, Oh, I'm riding a motorcycle. Let's keep going here. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it was definitely a challenge. Uh, I noticed I, I did some long stretches and we'll, we'll probably talk about this. We get into the different legs, but, um, yeah. I did 
quite a few 34 to 36 hour stretches or longer. And I, I did notice that on the tail ends of those, um, I was getting to a point where, uh, it became just tough to be on the road being the slowest car in traffic, you know, following the grandma on the road, you know? <laughs> and when yeah. I noticed, when I got to that point, it's like, I know I have to get off the road. I know I have to take some rest. And I know that, um, you know, even 20 minutes will get me, will freshen me enough, up, freshen me up enough to, to get out and, you know, be making better decisions and, and writing better. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was a mental game for sure. That was so hard to deal with. And I, I didn't quite understand how relentless that was going to be. So one of the things that I'm guessing you have heard many, many times, and when people look at the, okay, you're riding a bike that can go 300 miles an hour and, oh, you must be riding 300 miles an hour in the rally. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you are not riding much more than, uh, much more than the speed limit in this rally, or you would have been asked to not participate in this rally. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I, I know I kind of have a, uh, uh, X on my back being the guy on the, the Hayabusa, you know, it's just to kind of par for the course, you know? Um, I mean, law enforcement wants to pull me over if I'm doing, you know, 54 and a 55, uh, just because it looks fast, you know? Um, and in, in the rallies that I've ridden in the past, um, I've, a lot of the rallies I've ridden the highest mileage. Um, and I, I've been trying to be as competitive as possible. Um, so I, 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 what I'm doing is I'm just trying to be the most efficient I can be on the motorcycle. Um, that's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much it. I'm just, just riding more and stopping less and, uh, making my bonus stops as short as humanly possible. And then riding within the rules of the rally, there were some very strict rules on the iron butt rally about speed and they were very adamant about them. And I know a few riders got warned, um, I wasn't one of them. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I never had anyone say anything to me, and I was uh, very cautious about making sure I stayed with, within the rules that they that they gave, um, which was actually pretty tough to do because I don't have electric electronic cruise control. I just have a throttle lock, and oh, wow. a, thro a throttle lock <laughs> is not the most um, ideal uh, method of, of exact no. uh, speed control. In <laughs> fact, there was a, a couple times going out to uh, the – the Idaho bonus, the EBR reactor out there where the road is just laser flat. And, uh, I, I had about a 40 knot tailwind right on my back and, uh, I, I kept rolling off and rolling off and rolling off. And I'm like, Holy cow, I'm going to get in trouble here. You know, I need to slow down. And it was just, I mean, it's felt it's so smooth. And that bike, I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it, it purrs along pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so, uh, the big thing is for me, um, and for every rider really is just keep the wheels turning. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I have done everything I can possibly do to try to shorten up my stops. Um, early on when I, uh, first rode, or maybe the second time I rode the, how the West was one, uh, rally that Justin Phillipson puts on. Um, by this time I thought, okay, I got my stuff together here. I got this really good route. this really ambitious route. I'm going to ride. And, uh, Eric Lips and I were, were apparently riding a very similar route. And, uh, every time we'd pull into a bonus, I'd pull in and he'd pull in behind me. And then, you know, maybe 10 or 15 seconds before I was ready to leave, he would be gone. We'd go get to the next bonus. I'd pull in 
10 or 15 seconds before I'm ready to leave, he'd pull out. And I thought I had my process down. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> what is this guy doing? And I, I, I talked to him after the rally. He had his, his tricks that he uses to shorten his stops. And I try to try to take those little tips and tricks that everybody has, you know, learned and uh, tr- trim down everything from, you know, stopping for fuel to stopping at rally bonuses. When I stop for fuel, what I do is I actually open up my ox tank valve um, and turn on my transfer pump. And what I'll do is I fill up my main tank until I, you know, can't fill it up anymore. There's still probably room for half a gallon or more of, of expansion in there. And what I'll do is I uh, close that lid and I'm, I fill up my rear tank. While I'm filling up that rear tank, it, it's 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 adding a little bit more fuel in that main tank. Yeah. You know, and maybe 30 seconds worth of, of fuel pumping in there. It's not a whole lot. But, I mean, it's it's everything I can to get as much fuel on board and then, you know, to make the most use of it as possible. So then when I'm out riding... I stretch out every gas stop I can to the pretty much to the max without running out of gas and that knock on wood. Uh, I, yeah. I have yet, I've yet to run out of gas on the bike, even though I've stretched out really, really far. <laughs> yes. How, uh, how do you, de- well, how do you deal with the chain? Because that's always the, I mean, the, the thing I, whenever I see a bike with a chain on a long rally like this, uh, it just gets me like, gosh, I mean, I, <laughs> my first motorcycle was a KLR 650 and dealing with that chain all the time. I can't imagine trying to do it on a, on a rally like this. You want to talk about yes. that for a sec? Yeah. So on uh, the first few rallies I did with that motorcycle, um, I would, I'd put on a new chain um, and I'd make sure it was, you know, immaculately cleaned and, and lubricated before the start of the rally. And usually by the end of the rally, the chain was toast yeah. <laughs> and that was it. Um, but that's just not sustainable for 11 days, you know. Yeah. Um, Dale Wilson, uh, who was another Hayabusa guy and uh, just a huge help uh, in so many ways going into this Iron Butt Rally, um, he turned me on to a, an oiler um, out of uh, the Netherlands, I believe, that it's called Pro Oiler. And uh, they've got two setups. One uses a speed sensor input. One uses actually a, G- a GPS pickup. Um, so it gets speed either through the GPS or speed sensor. And then it's got a interface where you can, uh, calibrate it and then, uh, change the amount of oiling. And it has a, a very nice, a very nice piece that, uh, oils both sides of the sprocket. And, uh, yeah, a, a small 150, 125 milliliter, uh, oil container and it's all integrated. Um, mine's, mine's hidden kind of in the rear tail section, getting to it is, uh, a little bit of work, but when it, when that thing is running and uh, you have a new chain on there, uh, it'll go thirty, forty thousand miles, no problem, with, oh, wow. without without doing anything. Um, yeah, I mean, you just clean the bike, and once after you clean it, you might want to um, air off your chain and, and oil it. But um, for normal riding, it, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. I don't I don't know how I was riding without it, to be totally honest. Hmm. Um, actually, it's probably a good time to segue into it, but. It worked phenomenal until leg three, and I've had this oiler on there for, you know, I don't know, 60,000 miles or so, and it's been flawless, but something happened with it. It, it may be a loose wire, um, just, you know, all the mm-hmm. being jarring, jarring around, um, maybe the, the pickup signal. I don't know what, what happened, but my oiler did um, fail on me, and the, the, 
the control panel for it started giving me an error message and I knew right oh, away so you, that you knew it right away. <clears throat> I knew right away that something was wrong with it. Um, a lot of times you can cycle the key and cycle the system on and off and it'll reset. Um, usually I see that error message when you leave the key on for a long time and it doesn't get a speed signal, it'll give you that error message. Mm. But no, I, I was getting it all the time and, uh, yeah, I could tell real quick it wasn't putting any oil on the chain. And this was right at the beginning of leg three. And, you know, I just said, hey, you know, it, it's a new chain. It's been oiled. Um, it's going to make it back to Provo. Um, all, that's all it's got to do. It's, it's done its job, you know. But by day 11, it was very unhappy. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, the, uh, it was starting to uh, really make some noise. Um, I, I, I took a quick peek at it at one bonus stop, and you could see the links were starting to, to freeze up. And they were uh, – uh, they were, the chain was getting tight is what was happening. Yeah. Um, and I really didn't want to have to stop and, uh, either adjust the chain or do anything to it. But, um, it, it was getting to the point where it was drawing enough of my attention to it, that it was taking my focus away from riding and yeah. making me really worry. I might not make it back to Provo. So, uh, I stopped and got a quart of in- engine oil and started slathering the chain up on hmm. the end of day 11, just as a, uh, precaution. Just in case. To, yeah. Just to so get it's a good thing back. It wasn't yeah. the t- 12 day iron butt rally. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it, I think it would have held out. I think it would have held out. Um, but, um, I, that oiler is, is well worth the money. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's, let's start into your, how you thoroughly kicked all our butts in this event. And when I, I'm not saying that just to be flipped, you really did thoroughly kick everyone's butt. I mean, I was, the way I described this to some of my family, like, okay, so the guy who won beat me. I was in 13th, which I was, a, I was happy with my finish. He beat me by the combined total of my first and second legs. So <laughs> that that's a fair amount. So, um, you know, the, those leg three bonuses were worth um, huge points, huge yeah. points. And my, my leg three, was a huge monster leg. And oh, you I had the most that, points, as far as I could find. You had the most points on leg three. Yeah, it was it was uh, just a couple points shy of a hundred thousand points on leg yeah. three alone. Um, but it was because all those points were out there in the Pacific Northwest, and I just yeah. rode a monster amount of mileage. But uh, so let's talk about a little bit about how this rally was set up because it is. Yeah. I'm finding that the the uh, the only thing that's true about a Jeff Earls rally is that it's nothing like the previous one. Uh, so that's, you can pretty much bet that it's going to be completely different. And uh, I think that is definitely by design, but in this rally, so we, we, when we got handed our, our, our rally pack, there were two packets in it. There was one that was leg one and there was one that was rally wide. And it was one bonus in every state and the district of Columbia that were valid the entire length of the rally, which if for anyone who was fran- who is looking at the scores from leg to leg, spoiler alert, those scores meant nothing because you could get some of these bonuses throughout the whole rally. And it might just be that person A got them on leg one and person B got them on leg three. Right. So it, it was very difficult to tell kind of where everyone was yeah Um, it was um it was the first rally i think i've heard of uh where leg what you do in leg one very much affects what you're gonna do in leg two and especially leg three on this rally and um how you planned leg one 
dramatically affected what you were going to do on leg three. And, yeah. and the thing was, is you didn't know what you were going to get on leg three. So a big part of your route planning on leg one was, um, kind of planning, uh, guessing what you're going to see in the rest of the rally. Yes. And that yeah. was, that was, that is so new and so different that, uh, yeah. yeah. It made you always you really, second. I mean, you were second guessing yourself, no matter what. Oh, all the time. <laughs> and and you, I mean, you really basically had to go. Okay, what are the chances that we're going to be back through here? Yeah. I mean, that was really the question. Like, is it? Yeah. And if we are, is it going to be worth it for me to go here twice? Yeah. And so I'll tell you what. I, I made a little bit of a gamble on leg one. A little. Uh, <laughs> I, I made a yeah. I made a, I made a gamble on leg one uh, that. That paid off on leg three, yeah, and uh, is probably the main reason why I was able to, to pull it off with a win. Um, uh, do you want me to go into that? Well, I was gonna say because I think two two people. I was going through routes, and two people did what you did. You and okay. Kirsten Tolkien Spalding, and, yeah, and 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 you were the only two that did this, and it was so completely just opposite of what I would think prevailing wisdom would be. So, you know, I didn't, I really didn't get a a lot of opportunity to chat with her. I really wanted to talk more with her. She just seems like a phenomenal uh, writer with so much experience in this rally, but um, I would like to have known if she had the same thought process as I did. Um, You know, so there was the leg one only bonuses for people that don't know the leg one only bonuses were were up in the north in general they were between provo and indianapolis kind of in the northerly states yeah they weren't they weren't worth a lot of points um and they were just kind of scattered throughout and then there was this all rally thread that was a a 48 state plus dc thread um every state had its own bonus uh bonus that was available throughout the whole rally and, you know, I thought to myself that usually uh, at the end of the rally or leg three or at some point, the high bonus, the high, high point bonuses are usually in the hard to get to places, which is like Yellowstone, um, mm-hmm. way out in the Pacific Northwest, uh, out in the mountains of California where I'm at, you know, places that are just um, hard to get to. And, you know, I looked at the California bonus, which was in San Diego, and I thought to myself, if I'm on Lake 3 and there's a bunch of real high point bonuses up in Northern California, this San Diego bonus is a long way away. Um, and I was thinking to myself, if, if there are bonuses out in Yellowstone, there's bonuses out, um, you know, hopping around ferries up in your neck of the woods, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I don't know if I really want to go pick up all these state bonuses uh, right now when I might be coming out that way uh, on leg three. So I I put together a route that that picked up the real big high point bonuses out in uh, Nevada. There was two out in Nevada. One was a state bonus. One was a leg one bonus that was actually worth a lot of points, and they were right next to each other. And then I shot south down to San Diego um, to get a high point bonus down in California and then just worked my way east you know through uh uh arizona new mexico Uh, i went through um oklahoma and then down through texas and then all the gulf states uh, out to florida and 
I was able to put together a route that I thought was going to be able to make, um, you know, good points. I don't know if it was going to be first place points, but I thought it was going to be good points. And um, I thought it was going to be put together kind of efficiently enough to where it would leave all of those northerly and Pacific Northwest states available later in the rally. And and yeah. the other thing I was thinking is leg two. So somebody, I mean, I think multiple people told me um, anytime um, the rally master says something, listen. <laughs> yeah. And, and during the banquet at the start, um, he did make comment that, um, he says, you'll notice that these bonuses on leg one are between checkpoint one and checkpoint two. And, uh, leg two, you might see bonuses in the mid Atlantic States in the Northeast between checkpoint two and checkpoint yeah. three. And, uh, on leg three, you might see bonuses out West. So that stuck in my head. And, uh, I just kind of rolled the dice with it. And, you know, when I was watching, I, I'd check in on the spot trackers too, every once in a while. And when I yeah. saw them, you know, I'm, I'm down in, in Phoenix <laughs> and everybody else is up in like North Dakota on a giant yep. train, taking up, sucking up all those bonuses up there. I was going, yeah. I don't know if I made the right decision or not. I either saw something no one else did, or I'm just the oddball out here. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> well, but you were, and you were in what second? If memory yeah. serves, yeah, I was in second place, and, and and not by um, not not by a lot. I think it was just a couple hundred points. Um, Jim Owen, you know, uh, I honestly it was probably the perfect uh, setting of the stage for me mentally because um, I'd planned a couple routes um, up that went up north, and I just couldn't really put anything together that made a lot of points. And then I was sucking up all those states I didn't want to get yet, so. Yeah, when I got into um, checkpoint one, um, and then we got scored, and then they gave us the uh, the stats in the morning, and I realized Jim Owen is doing what Jim Owen does, which is just you know makes points out of you know nothing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, all right, I, I got to do what I'm supposed to do here. To uh, so 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 how do um, when you when you're okay? So the when I when I look at that bonus pack, like for me, I just, the way I set things up, like, okay, I can see this route. And I, and I, I will basically plan out, especially for the first, like I planned out the entire thing. I didn't plan out where I was stopping necessarily, but I planned out the entire thing. Like, okay, I'm going to probably need to sleep somewhere in here, sleep somewhere in here. And then I know people like Jim will just like, okay, here's the, kind of the I'm generally going here here's the big point bonuses and I plan it on the road how do you do it it depends depends on the leg um for leg one I had it planned out pretty much to a t uh, before I'd left I mean I say that I I I'd planned a couple routes that I weren't wasn't really very happy with early on Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of funny actually the first route I planned I, I sat back and said all right, that's it. I'm going to go to sleep and get 10 hours of sleep before the rally starts, yeah. you know? And then I started really thinking about it and going, oh, yeah, no, this isn't right. I need to make some <laughs> tweaks here. And, and honestly, it wasn't until I went to bed and woke up at probably about one in the morning before the rally started. Did I go back and do some changes and, and really get to the point where I was uh, finished with what I was going to attempt to ride. And, and I actually rode pretty much what I had routed. I, I cut out um, Arkansas. I was planning on going to Arkansas, um, but it was just uh, too much of a time suck. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm glad I did because I got stuck in a lot of traffic 
uh, getting up to Indianapolis. And I got in at 7.58, so I had no no time oh, to wow. spare. Yeah. But yeah, yeah leg one was... Leg leg one was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a good uh, eye opener to just the the Iron Butt Rally. Um, I I started, I started the rally at uh, 39. I don't know if I'm the youngest rider in the group or not, but I'm probably pretty close. Um, But I turned 40 on day two. And uh, it was, I was kind of, I was kind of joking with some friends and my wife, Um, you know, I, I brought in my 40th birthday by by sleeping in the dirt behind the WD-40 corporate headquarters, <laughs> waiting for daylight to take a picture. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it uh, makes for oh. good stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, okay, so we all get to Indianapolis, and it's pouring down rain. Yeah. Uh, it was, I mean, not only, you had traffic coming in from the south, I had traffic coming in from the north. I, I had planned to be in Indianapolis, well, Carmel, I had planned to be there at 6.30 and I didn't get in until, or no, 6, excuse me, and I didn't get in until 7.40. And that is all due to Chicago traffic and the giant thunderstorm that went through. Um, but you get there and how do, how are you feeling at that point? Um, when I got there, I felt good. Um, I, yeah. I was a little concerned about time for sure. Um, c- coming up, I came up from the South and coming up from the South, I, I was watching that weather and, uh, I was just thinking in my head, like, wow, that's just perfect timing. It's on a collision course for, for checkpoint one, right at the time that yeah. everyone's supposed to be there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, I had made the choice coming up to, uh, Indianapolis to, to stray off. And I, I picked up, um, the Kentucky, um, bonus. Hmm. And, uh, it was, um, oh, I'm sorry, not the the Kansas bonus, the first oil bonus. And it was, um, it was a, a time suck that I was not really prepared for. Um, Hmm. so it, it put me way behind and it was, it was tough to kind of dig myself out of that hole coming into the, the checkpoint. But, uh, yeah, I, I timed timed getting into the checkpoint right as that storm was hitting, and um, you know, just in time to soak everything on the motorcycle, just yep. just in time to get off and go get scored and take everything in your room and and go to go to sleep. But like my hair um, my hair dryer got a, a workout that night. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm pulling my bag off and I'm stiffing my laptop and all my stuff in there, and it's just you know filling up with water as I'm doing yeah. it. But, yeah, you know, I, I well, went and got I went and got scored, and um, I didn't leave anything on the table. Um, I did. I uh, rode pretty much what I'd planned to do and you didn't I had two minutes to spare. I mean, I yeah. rode, I rode a 37 and a half hour leg and a 34 and a half hour leg on, on a nap and, uh, spared two minutes and, and really had no hangups. So uh, that was it. I knew that was all I could do. So I felt good about it. I felt yeah. really good about it. Yep. There's two things I was thinking of as you were, as you were t- talking there. And one is, I don't think people <clears throat> who haven't done this event recognize the extent of how little information you have on how well you're doing during the event, especially the first leg, because you could be in first place. You could be in 75th place and you have no idea. And I don't know about you, but I'm assuming that I'm in 75th and that everyone else is. (laughs) And you you get in your head, especially when you're looking at the map and you're kind of, you're you're not with the pack at least, you know, (laughs) you're kind of going, well, man, what are they? What are they doing that I'm not doing? Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is really it is really tough because you don't know where you are at all. There's no live 
live stats for you to to understand how you're doing or what you're doing um yeah and and you and you make mistakes you know you make mistakes and and uh, you you get on roads where you go man did i make the right choice doing this you know jeff made the comment in the writers meeting um and this goes back to the the, the speed thing and, and talking about um you know us out they're riding safe and representing the Iron Boat Association and how, you know, reckless driving is not, um, you know, going to be uh, uh, allowed. Uh, but he made a comment about a road and he said, there's a bonus location out there where there's 50 miles of the most pristine, laser flat, freshly paved road you've ever seen. And the speed limit is 45 miles per hour. <laughs> we will be watching. <laughs> I found I found that bonus. That that is uh, that was the uh, the New Mexico bonus. The uh, United States spaceport. It was the oh. coolest bonus. Um, but yeah, it, it was brand new road um, out to the middle of nowhere that is just pristine, beautiful. But huh. um, every, every hundred feet, there's a 45 mile an hour speed limit. On so the other thing I was uh, it's probably worth mentioning is this at least to me it was very clear that this rally was designed to be run during covid and because pretty much everything was outdoors and it was some kind of a plaque or something there were very very few things that you had to actually go inside to do so it, yeah. In my mind, that that made it a little bit easier because it was stuff you could just ride the bike up to, take a picture, and go. Versus mm. the 2019 Iron Butt, where it was get to this location now, walk five miles, and yeah, take a picture. It, so it, yeah, and you know, in the preparation for this, I had I had dissected you know a lot of the previous rally packets, um, especially 17 and 19 being Jeff Earl's rallies, and gone through and you know broken down all of the the top riders routes and uh, built routes and routes and routes for months ahead of time. And uh, there were so many bonuses where I looked at them and went, Whoa, man, if I was going here on the route, especially, um, especially in 19 um, where the Mm -hmm. locations didn't match where the bonus (laughs) itself was, Uh, you know, I, I, I was looking at the, the uh, bear tooth pass bonus and the Beartooth Pass Latin Long mm-hmm. location is about 70 miles north of Beartooth Pass. And if you came yeah. into Yellowstone from the west and got Old Faithful and navigated directly to that bonus, it would take you completely out of the park to get to it. And in, in hindsight, you'd, you'd be much shorter and quicker to go through the park to get to it. And had you not noticed that, you had been not happy. <laughs> and I was looking for those little things in this rally pack at the entire time. It was on the back of my head. I'm going, oh, man, this can't yeah. be that easy, can it? You know, I don't just pull up and there's the sign and take the picture. Yeah. But there, there was, was one. There was one. The Rollison test site. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did, man. I did not. I was not taking my gold wing up there. I took my Hayabusa up there. Yeah. <laughs> It was a two-hour ordeal that I was not prepared for. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would have been hitting that right at the end of the rally, and I was like, "That is a, a no-go for me. That's just too much of a risk." Yeah, for the the rally I was running, but uh, yeah, it in nineteen there was nothing funnier than hearing the people like, "I didn't read the rally book," and like I ended oh. up, I ended up like I had two boat, I had two waypoints for every single one. The name of the bonus yeah. and the name of the bonus real. And, yeah. And, and sometimes they were which one it was, drastically yeah. different. Yep. Yeah. 
Well, in some of them you couldn't put the you couldn't put the real one in because that was the walk twenty five miles to this thing or something. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 there was I was thanking my lucky stars on this one that it was not quite like that. That was fun last last time because it got you off the bike a little bit. But uh, it yeah, also... added, added another layer of complexity. I think that probably yeah. um, a lot of the real competitive riders probably tried to you know take advantage of but yeah, i exactly. could i could see how um that would be a big time suck for so many different bonuses that if you had a type a tight timeline it, yeah. your whole plan is underwater exactly all right so we're now to carmel indiana yeah it is four in the morning and yep. we are hanging out with our 75 closest friends uh-huh in the the ballroom or whatever it was uh, uh-huh. and we get handed the packet and everyone rushes back up to their room how long did you stay planning in your room before you took off about 10 or 15 minutes oh wow yeah if that so you did <laughs> I, the I bare got... minimum and so because i was taking what jeff said to heart about expecting bonuses in the northeast mid-atlantic area i I, on that long slog out through oklahoma and texas the you know a few days before i had actually already pre-built a route um from for leg two um from Mm -hmm. indianapolis to huntsville basically just building the most efficient route i could just picking up the state bonuses um, so running up, running up all the way through Maine, um, and then down the, the Atlantic and then, uh, down to the flight bonus, which was in, uh, North Carolina and then over to, to Huntsville. So I already had that route base route kind of built and it was around 3000 ish miles. And I thought, you know, if there's a bunch of bonuses up this way, I can figure out what I want to add and what I want to subtract easier than just starting from scratch. And when we got the bonuses, put them in my spreadsheet, did a little bit of work there real quick with just some of the availability and then, um, dropped it in and started looking at it. And I overlaid the two and they were, um, it was almost like a mirror image. It was almost a mirror image of the route I had built and the new bonuses. So I saw really quick early on that there was a time limited bonus. Um, it was the Curtis bonus. Um, it was inside a museum and, uh, you had to be there by 5 PM and uh, that was already going to be pretty tight. I mean, you had time to get there, um, if you went direct, you probably added, you know, an extra two hours or so. Um, mm-hmm. but I knew that I knew right then and there that that was my opportunity to get out of it quick and go pick up a few extra bonuses that, um, getting out early is going to allow me to get that other people aren't going to get. So, hmm. um, I saw, I saw that and I did nothing else, but just throw it all on my GPS and, and run. And, uh, I was, I was the first one out. I actually, I walked out um, to the bike and there was no one out there and I thought something was off <laughs> and I left and it wasn't until later when I got back and I was talking with uh, Toby Stevens and he's and he's like you beat me out to the parking lot <laughs> <laughs> he said I came out here to take pictures of people leaving and you were gone already <laughs> uh, it is pretty funny because I've gone back now and watched this the lake two spot animation and you'll see uh the first dot just blast east (laughs) out to go get the i did ohio um because i left so early i got ohio uh pennsylvania there was one in uh in pittsburgh um phil Mm -hmm. and then and then i and then i made 
because I had that run on everybody, I was able to get all that, turn back, go up north to Cleveland and get the Superman bonus, um, which was a big high point bonus. I, yeah. Most people seem to take a more of a direct pro- approach to Superman and then over to Curtis, where I was yeah. able to get a leg up and, and pick up a, these other high point state bonuses. And I was feeling really pumped about that. By the time wow. I made it to Superman and I realized I was going to make Curtis by about 10 minutes, I was like, this this might be the, the, the edge I need to just get an extra, you know, thousand points or so. Um, yeah. So I was I was feeling on top of the world by then. Yeah, I was feeling so, pretty good. So the, the one you missed because it was very time limited was the photo bonus, which was very near Curtis. And it was at the Erie Canal. And it was a very it was quite a bit of points for a photo bonus. I and mean, it was like four grand. And yeah. Did so you miss it or did you intentionally miss it? Um, or cut it, I should say. How about we'll say both. So when I at first I I had input those availabilities in my spreadsheet, and um, as any rally writer will know, that if you input something on one line away from where it's supposed to be, it is a critical error. <laughs> and I put yeah. that availability for that photo bonus uh, one line down under the wrong bonus, uh... and I thought I could get that bonus just by going there. And it wasn't until I was not on my way there, but heading that direction and I was looking ahead did I realize that what it said in the rally book and what I had in my, you know, what I was looking at on my screen there was not right. So I realized that was a time-limited bonus. I had to be there the next day. Um, So it it actually became part of my plan, and I did add that into my route. I planned on running all the way around up through um, the northeast and back down through Long Island and Manhattan and then going up to that – that uh what was the name of that bonus um it was dixville notch no a dixville notch that was the most northerly bonus there i picked that up canal canal was the oh canal sorry yeah yeah so my my plan was to run back down through new york um after i ran all night um up to to the dixville notch come down you know rhode island delaware massachusetts pick up all those and then long island manhattan and then get up to that photo bonus and that was my plan uh, well into the evening. And I, I rode, 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 rode. And there was not really any making up time. You know, the, the going through New York, um, that was all new to me. I'd never ridden out there. And there was yeah. not – you were going with the flow of traffic and that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no passing cars. There's no, you know, picking up the speed a little bit. There, It's just – it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so I rode that route. Um, I got up there to Dixville Notch. Um, it got cold. That was the first time I put on my heated gear. Um, uh, came around the corner and there was a moose standing in the road and he could, he seemed to not care that I was on a motorcycle he, uh, one bit. Yeah. He just looked at me and uh, he finally moseyed on out of the road. But, um, yeah, making my way down towards New York, um, I actually trimmed a couple bonuses out because I knew Long Island and Manhattan were going to be a time suck. And I knew that I, I wanted to get to that, um, canal bonus. It was just worth so many points. And honestly, I, um, I didn't make it. I got down to Long Island, stuck in traffic, which I knew I was going to. And I had about an hour of slop, maybe about 45 minutes of slop, and got into New York City. And uh, there was an accident in the, yeah. the, uh, the tunnel, the uh, tunnel leaving the island there, going out to New Jersey. And I, I sat there for probably an hour, going a mile. <laughs> oh, and, I, yeah, it was, it was the worst feeling. I got out of there. And, you know, and keep in mind, I'd been awake for a long time at this point and stuck in that 
tunnel, probably about 130 degrees in there. And I come out the other mm -hmm. side and I'm just stuck in stop and go traffic. And um, now I'm, you know, it, it was probably two and a half hours up to that uh, bonus. And I was a half hour behind on schedule and there was no way I was making that up. So yeah. I had to cut it. I had to make the decision real quick to, to uh, kind of go into damage control and, and pick up a couple extra local things there and, you know, continue on. Um, in, in hindsight, it wasn't as huge of a mistake as I thought it was, was at the time, uh, being tired and, uh, fatigued. I, I kind of thought that might've been the rally right there. <laughs> oh, wow. um, I mean, it was a 4,000, 4,200 point bonus, yeah. you know, yeah, that's huge. 4,200 yeah. points is a lot of points to just miss on timing. Um, and then after I mean, that's, cutting that's... out, cutting out thousand point bonuses, ahead of time to yeah. give myself the time to get to it and then not making it. It was, it was, a, it was a, it was a rough feeling. I felt, I felt pretty bad 24 hours after I started the leg two feeling so good. I was, I was pretty down right at that point and tired. Yeah. It's roughly, I mean, it's not for you. It was a little bit less for me, a little bit more about 10% of your leg two total that yeah. that bonus was. And it you was can see a lot of points. <laughs> Yeah, and you can see from the photo, there's a lot of people in it <laughs> yep. because it's, it's worth that many points, you know. And uh, man, I was I was pretty bummed that I couldn't get it. Um, so yeah, I came out of there, and then I picked up a couple local bonuses, trying to do damage control, and I knew I had to get some sleep, start my rest, um, and, and kind of reevaluate things. So um, it, it was tough because I actually went in, I got a receipt at a gas station right next to a hotel. Uh, the hotel was out of rooms. The hotel next door was out of room, started making calls. Everyone sold out. Um, and it, it, long story short, I, my rest bonus that I start or my rest receipt that I started with, um, I got a new rest receipt to start my actual rest bonus like three hours later. Um, uh. and a couple hundred miles later because there was not a hotel to be had anywhere. And, um, I needed to get off the bike, but there was no place to stop and I, I didn't know what to do. So I just kept plugging along to the next uh the next bonus and uh yeah. finally was able to get it myself in a bed and start my rest you know that's something that i i have heard from a couple different riders during this rally that i've never had this much trouble getting a, a hotel on a on a rally and usually it's you pull into a town and you call a place you just walk into a place and they've got a room and it was I mean, you'd call several places trying to find a place that had, and I had my dad helping me with that. Like he'd call and just say, Hey, do you have any rooms? And nope, sorry. And it was, I mean, it was like everyone decided, Oh, we, I, I don't know if it was that like the, they were capacity restricted or that just everyone decided all at once that we're getting out of this house and going on vacation. But there's yeah. a lot of people out. Yeah. And, uh, I, th I think it's just, uh, Right now, there's a lot of travelers that are uh, getting out and doing things. And then all the hotels and the just service industry in general is trying to pay, play catch up with, uh, yeah. with the amount of staffing and availability they have. So, yeah, it is a really tough time to travel right now. <laughs> Getting a hotel was not easy. Yeah. So you mentioned that you, uh, you had – well, your profession, you're a, you're a pilot. And you got to go on this rally – for several minutes to Kitty Hawk. Yeah. Did that, I mean, was that kind of cool for you or, I mean, talk, talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, so I'd actually, I've been down to that area before. I had never been to the monument, um, which was a first for me, but yeah, it was, it was a cool experience. It, honestly, there were so many cool bonuses 
that I really like every rally. So many cool bonuses that I wish I could have really spent some more time at. And um, yeah. Curtis um, Museum, probably one of them. <laughs> that was an amazing museum. I, I actually yeah. did take just a few extra seconds looking around, and I told the lady at the front counter, I said, "Man, this is this is really a place I would love to hang out." There's like cars and motorcycles and yeah. airplanes and lots of cool stuff in here, and I'm just sprinting in and out the door, you know. Uh, but yeah, so for those uh, of they you who, who have seen the the poster, the the plane is not the right flyer in that on the poster. That is a Curtis Model Three or something like that, and uh -huh. it's in that museum. Hey there, future Justin here. Uh, it's actually a reproduction of a Curtis D three headless pusher. And back to the interview. Oh, was it? I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I so even... yeah. Somebody told me that the the right flyer did not have wheels. And if you look at the poster, that, that airplane clearly has wheels, and it's the Curtis D3 headless pusher reproduction or something And like that was that. in and that museum. Oh, man. Yeah. Museum. One more reason yeah. why I wish I would have stopped and, and looked around yeah. there. It looks yeah. very similar to the Wright Flyer, but it's It that. does, yeah. Uh-huh. So. So, <clears throat> yeah. So, you, uh, you brought up um, that flight bonus in North Carolina. Um, that's kind of how most people or a lot of people finished out their leg two, I think. Um, that that bonus in North Carolina had an availability of uh, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And oh it was boy, time... Was a pain in the butt. Yeah, it was It was timed <laughs> very strange. Uh, not very strange. It was probably timed... Um, very purposely. Uh, very purposefully, yeah. Um, to where if you were going to get back to Huntsville from North Carolina, you needed to be there at 9 a.m., or close yeah. to it, um, and there wasn't a minutes to spare. Yeah, there was not a lot of slop there. Um, and actually, I got up in the morning and I was going down to um, DC. Um, I think I picked up Delaware and DC, and somewhere along the way, I ran into Jim Owen at a bonus, and uh, that was another moment where I'm thinking to myself, "Okay, what is this guy going to do? Where's he going? And what is he trying to get that I'm not doing?" You know. And uh, so we we went and we picked up two bonuses consecutively. Uh, and I, there was there was two bonuses in D.C. downtown that were daylight only bonuses, and it was it was um, just, just I mean it was before daylight, but there if you waited a bit, you might be able to get that daylight bonus. But then it was going to be a real tight stretch to get down to that North Carolina bonus. So um, it gave me a little bit of motivation to go backtrack a bit and go try to get those daylight only bonuses. So I did, and I, I think that he he went to North Carolina and I backtracked to. Uh, into into the city and I, I sat there for about 10 minutes until i got a good enough daylight picture went over to this other uh, bonus um i can't remember the the names of them at this point now I'm but it was airmail and voice was yep was, that's was exactly what they were yeah. airmail and voice were the two that i picked up that were daylight onlys and um and then i just you know blazed trail towards north carolina and uh was able to squeak in those other two bonuses um but and and the advantage of that was I got into North Carolina, um, maybe about five or ten minutes before everyone else, and it was pretty clear where the where the marker was because there was about twenty motorcyclists wearing all of their <laughs> gear sprinting a hundred yards across the lawn in the most uh, amazing sight you've ever seen. <laughs> there was a you know some spectators there watching all of us out there running along in the lawn. <laughs> Yeah, well, so I, I'm not. So no one knows who the scribe is this year. 
and which is probably I, I think kind of adds to the mystery but whoever yeah. i'm guessing it was someone who was near scoring on leg two who was listening to me lament how stupid i was that i did not go to flight because i was so gun shy about getting stuck in chicago traffic on leg one like i don't want to deal with anything that i got 15 minutes to spare and because it made the 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 write-up like justin long oh looks like he forgot to get flight i'm like hmm mm. so, yeah the mystery so continues I, yeah, yeah I, I don't know who, who the scribe be, was. But, I was wondering that yeah. myself. Um, whoever it was, they did a phenomenal job. I actually oh, just yeah. read through most of it today for the first time, um, which was which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I hadn't been keeping up on any of that during the rally because I was obviously a little preoccupied. But um, yeah, they did a great job. Um, but it would be interesting to know who that was. So, so you getting into Huntsville it looks like you were in penalty points. So you, it was. I mean, so it... yeah, you know, I was. Um, I was I was trying to get everything I could, uh, you know. Um, so after a flight, so, yeah. Go ahead. You had, go ahead. You had a, a limited amount of time, so you only stopped to get two other things that were not <laughs> on the way there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I backtracked a, a bit to uh, this uh, Cyrus bonus that uh, yeah is uh, way far to the north, um, and way out of the way, not the most yeah. direct path back to Huntsville. I mean, it's north of Roanoke. It's like way, way up in the northeast. Uh, but, uh, you know, actually it was it was a pretty, you know, it's a lot of interstate, uh, high speed interstate going up that way and back. And I think that the, mm -hmm. the road itself was more efficient. It, it added a lot more miles um, yeah. and a lot more time. But, you know, after doing the math, um, picking up uh, that um, that Cyrus and then the Tennessee bonus on the way back to Huntsville. Um, it was, it was a good, you know, 1600 points or more, I think. Um, and I went 30 minutes into the penalty window, so it, it was worth it. Um, it, what was tough mentally was I knew that I was coming into the bonus and I had to do a bunch of maintenance on the bike. And I was already told myself way before the rally started that I wanted to get into checkpoint too early. Um, to give myself time for that and here i come rolling in 30 minutes into the penalty window <laughs> but well, yeah i mean those, like the... those, those points they don't those bonuses don't get themselves man you got to yeah. just go for it you know and it's uh you can you're going to be do the bike maintenance off the clock so or somewhat yeah. off the clock i guess you could say well you did kind of had a na have a nascar pit crew that or, or greeted you so <laughs> i pull up and there's like this trailer and like five guys all sitting there and i didn't yeah i didn't hear so, until later that was your that was your guys that were helping you do the maintenance on the bike yeah so uh fortunately um one of my best friends uh from northern california who's a automotive mechanic um he recently moved to nashville and he's got a uh, mm. business going uh, uh, on the side there doing a uh, mobile mechanic work where uh, he travels all around and, and works on, you know, European cars with, uh, with his, uh, toe behind rig. So, wow. um, we, we had coordinated this months ahead of time. I, um, got a second set of wheels and tires mounted and balanced and it's all set up and shipped out to him and then oil and everything else I needed. And, uh, I actually had a fuel pump issue, um, and it was fortunate enough to Amazon same day a fuel pump to him um, to bring to the checkpoint. So yeah, we, we did um, we did top wheels, um, oil, a fuel pump, um, topped off the chain oiler, and um, yeah, we got a lot done in a pretty short amount of time. But it was it was still 
uh, it left for a short night on uh, yeah. to start leg three. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read you my notes here. Uh, okay. so, so my notes for leg one, leg two, leg three. Leg one, you went south. Almost everyone else went north. Leg two, you went to the northeast like most, but you didn't get the photo bonus. Leg three, you went insane. Uh, <laughs> because... <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, you I, – I, I do not even – it's, it's tough to comprehend how you got this many points because I thought I had a pretty intense route and I was 20,000 points behind you. So, so you know, I knew that there yeah. was um, a couple of things I was going to have to do if I had any chance of winning. I, I knew I was going to have to, uh, I was going to have to route better. I was going to have to be more efficient than anyone else. And I was just going to have to ride more, ride harder. And, um, I was just trying to do all those things. I was trying to be as efficient as I could everywhere I went and leg three, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was tough. It, it was actually kind of interesting because I had a lot of riders tell me, um, that rookie riders tend to come into the iron butt and, and ride big leg ones and then burn out. And then they just fizzle out and, and don't yep. do very well by the end. And, uh, actually reading the, the, Rap the ride reports today. Um, I did notice in there after leg one, whoever was right riding it said that um, uh, after the first three and a half days, um, the the rally the riders rode uh, between three and forty nine hundred miles, which I was forty nine hundred miles. Uh, it said it said the the upper number is a pace that cannot be maintained for yeah. eleven days, yeah. <laughs> and that kind of stuck into my head. You know, <laughs> not at the time, but it, it was in my head that you know I don't want to burn myself out, but at the same time I know I've got to to really um to to push hard. Um, so it was it was mental, man. It was um it was a lot about just kind of preparing to push hard in that third leg. Um, there's a a quote that um I picked up. A while back, this is actually from a, a SWAT instructor at a weapons retention class, but he uh, he said that the body does not go where the mind has not been. And, uh, you know, that was more made for, you know, being in a gunfight or something. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where um, I had mentally prepared for pushing hard on leg three. And uh, it, it was just a mindset of I'm going to go do that. Um, and yeah. I... It was tough. It, w- it was tough, but yeah, I, I basically started leg three on three hours of sleep and did two back-to-back BBGs in the first forty-eight oh, hours. <laughs> God. I'll have you know, though, you did win me fifty cents. Oh yeah. Well, I won. Apparently, I won some money for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I think it's from the same person that who was betting everyone that you were going to fizzle out, but I bet him fifty cents. And oh okay. Because I. I because I said uh, he's going to finish and he's probably going to win it is what I said. I should have uh, I should have gotten odds that you would have won it. I would have won even more or something. But yeah, so I did win fifty cents off you. So thank you for. I'll, I'll give oh, you half of that. If all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but okay, so let's talk in detail about your third leg because you kind of started out, kind of going across the Midwest north of where you were on leg one because you'd already gotten everything to the south basically, and so uh-huh. you kind of went mid part kind of middle latitudes into through Kansas, uh, Missouri, that area, and then up into well, Colorado and then Idaho. Um, and then you started and picking up, up all the stuff that everyone, yeah, that everyone else got on leg one. Yeah. Um, and, and that glacier, so the parks boat, there was a parks combo that was huge. Mm-hmm. It was huge. You got. It, 
yeah. It was, I want to say it was like 12,000 points or something yeah, like 16. that. 16,000 yeah. points. Yeah, yeah. And it was just basically three bonuses. Well, about three yep. and a half. You had to get the east and west entrance signs to Glacier. Um, you had to get um, uh, John Muir's house. And then you had to get the entrance sign to Yosemite. I mean, those yeah. those locations are not close by any means. No. Um, but but that was a huge threat. And for me, and kind of in hindsight, looking back, um, I, I had no other option but to go that way. Um, that that was it for me because I I knew that there was a ton of high point bonuses out there that I would have went for had there not been a 50, 49 state thread. But because I had not picked up those big high point states out there in Oregon and Washington. Um, and that was, that was it. I knew I had to go that yeah. way. Um, and in fact, I kind of wish I would have got out of the gate a little quicker. Um, I, I was probably an hour and a half before I was on the road. Mm. I did. I had to laugh as I was, as I was plotting away. Cause I didn't, I, I think I left at six thirty. but someone, I don't know who it was, but someone left that parking lot like 10 minutes after they got the bonus pack and was honking their horn as they went out. Uh, I don't <laughs> like, know if uh, I heard the horn honking, but I, I did hear a bike starting up and leaving and me being, in no place to leave yet and i yeah. told myself actually ahead of time that you know I, uh leg two i knew was short and i'm glad i got out the gate quick and picked up some extra bonuses but i leg three is so long um looking back at all the other riders that have you know won and done well on leg three it, it's because they had the right route you know not because yeah. they just rode more it's because they had the right route you can ride more and 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 not get many points um you had to have the right route. So I, I really wanted to spend a lot of time building routes, dissecting routes, totaling that stuff out and seeing where the points were and where the most uh, best place to go. And then I can make up some time over, you know, you know, that 101 hours of available riding time yeah. um, if I had to. But, um, you know, well, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I would say you also had you I would say you didn't have good luck, but you didn't have bad luck. Because no. you could have this whole thing almost felt almost unraveled in Oregon. Yeah, you know. Okay, yeah, I <laughs> know you're you're talking about my gas stop. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I actually I had a few hangups here and there, um, but not not a whole lot. Um, and I know a lot of riders had flats and deer strikes and mechanicals, and you know that's pretty typical. And um, yeah, I was I was pretty fortunate. I really would have liked to have seen what Wendy did. On, would have done on leg one had she not had that um, that yeah. tire issue you know and it just shows how much of a badass she is i mean she was off the bike for a long time on leg one and and rode thirteen thousand plus miles um and and you know didn't it didn't seem like she had a great leg two but i mean she just she ended up right there at the end of leg three yeah. so um yeah shows how awesome <laughs> competitor she is but um yeah yeah I, I was fortunate i was definitely fortunate that i didn't have a whole lot of issues i i did have I, I don't know if i shared this with you but i um i was going through the chesapeake expressway coming out of that flight bonus and i pulled up to the uh, easy pass uh gate and the car in front of me went through and then the gate rose and it, as soon as it came up i started going it came, it came down right on me and i dumped the bike right there oh, in the yeah right there in the toll booth I dumped the bike there and um, uh, got it back up and got it to the side of the road and it wouldn't start. And I knew it was the, the fuel safety switch, the tip over switch, yeah. um, but it wasn't resetting, you know, and it was it was getting hot by this point And I'm man, I'm mentally just like, I can't be yeah, doing this, you know, 
Yeah. Um, and I probably spent a good 20, 30 minutes sitting around there. I actually pulled the seat off and I was going to start digging in there to, um, to bypass that switch wow. if I had to, but I finally got it started, got on the road and was on my way. That was, a, that was a hang up. But the, uh, the, the thing you brought up with a fuel stop, and this was later on leg three. I don't know if you want to get to it later, but later on leg three, um, I was, uh, I took my rest bonus in the middle of the day, just South of Seattle. I pushed really, really hard. Um, I, you know, it was like 55 hours on naps, um, to get to the daylight bonus in Seattle and then take my rest. And it was a good thing I did because for one, I had to get off the bike and rest, but, um, it kind of freed me up from the traffic, you know, Seattle traffic is not very good. And then, um, a lot of the bonuses that were either on the coast or in the mountains of the Cascades go through a lot of little towns. So I rested from one to 9 PM and got back on the, the bike at nine and rode it all through the night and all the way through until Provo really. But, um, and got back on the bike and it was fantastic. It was great. I, you know, I ran out there and got, um, a bonus out there in the cascades and then rode out to the Oregon coast and there was not a car. There was nobody. Yeah. And it was just perfect, perfect temperature. I had my heated gear on. It was cool. Um, but it was, it was just perfect. Um, it's kind of nice yeah. little, you know, moment of serenity riding through the mountains out there, you know, yeah. but I get out to the coast and, uh, you know, like I was saying, I, stretched out all my gas stops and this was stretching it out right to where it needed to be to get gas when I got to the coast and uh, I found myself in a little coastal town um, with uh, no 24-hour gas and it's uh, not know, unheard of in Oregon by the way yeah I, man, I, I should have known better because I know how Oregon is with gas and uh, they by law yet they have someone there to pump gas or at least you know man the station and Um, I pulled in and there's five gas stations and all the pumps were shut down. And, uh, I knew I would put myself in a real bad position at that point because I only had probably about 10 or 15 miles of range left and it was, you know, 50, 60 miles to anything else inland. Um, and there was a, there was a sheriff that was cruising down the road right as I hit the fifth gas station trying to find something open. And, um, I turned around and I, I basically pulled over the sheriff. <laughs> I, I had some other writers tell me I should have asked for license and registration when I got him to finally pull over. But, uh, yeah, I, I come up behind him and, uh, you know, I kind of trail him for a little bit and uh, he kind of flashed me with his light. So I flashed him with my brights and turn on my hazards and uh, get, got enough of his attention to uh, to want to pull over and see what was going on with the motorcycle behind him. So. I pulled up next to him and apologized profusely for flashing with my brights and um, told him told him what I was doing that I was on this rally and that I was in a pinch and I was out of gas and uh, what was the absolute quickest method I could you know use to get fuel in the bike I mean even just a gallon anything yeah and um, he recommended a tow company in town that was twenty four hours and then his second recommendation was to go to the police station and uh, they might have some like emergency fuel so. Mm-hmm. I went back into town, went to the tow company. Um, there were an answer to the phones. No one was there. Um, I didn't know what to do at that point. There was a, a local cop that at this point pulled up next to the tow company, and he, he had been called by the sheriff. So uh, I go over to him, and he's like, you must be the guy on the motorcycle in the rally <laughs> with no fuel. <laughs> so he gets out, looks at the bike, and asks me a few questions. And uh, he's like, hey, let's call the old man that owns the Chevron and get him down here and put some gas in this motorcycle, huh? <laughs> which uh yeah man he was a lifesaver 
So we went over to the gas station and uh, chatted for about 10 minutes while the the owner of the Chevron got out of bed at, you know, 2.33 in the morning and came down and turned the pumps on. Wow. And, uh, yeah, filled up the bike and thanked everybody profusely and was on my way. It was, The whole that, ordeal that, was about 45 minutes, but it could yeah. have been so much worse. Oh, if you would have lost four hours, I mean. Oh, man, yeah, that would have been game over. It would have yeah. been it. Uh, I mean, because that would have – it wouldn't have just been – I mean, it, it would have been the end. I'm just looking at your at your scorecard. It would have been the end of a lot. The things you would have been cutting would have been the end of combo bonus. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I kind of rode. I, I kind of. I, I did ride that route in the direction I did, um, because I thought I gave myself the most options that way. I did it in a counterclockwise loop up through, or out through the Midwest, and then up through Glacier. And then down the Pacific Northwest to where all of the big bonuses were in Oregon and California. And I, I thought that by doing it that way, um, if I got hung up on time, I could always just go into damage control bail. And, yeah. and bail out. And it's a bunch of high-speed roads out to Provo, whether you go at 80 or at 50, whatever I need to do. If there's accidents, I got lots of lots of uh, places to make up time. And um, yeah. not, not necessarily make up time, but lot, lots of um, different routes to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so I, I did cut, end up cutting some bonuses out. Um, but I would have had to cut out a lot of important bonuses. I, I don't know if I would got stuck there for three hours, if I could have made that big combo bonus, even cutting out everything else. <clears throat> so yeah, I got, it's... I was fortunate. Yeah. I, when, when you were telling me that story at the banquet, I'm like, oh, that, I mean, you would, you probably would have only finished third. Uh, <laughs> still, yeah, I, I don't mean, know. It was, it, <laughs> It was, uh, I mean, that could have just, that was in my mind, like, well, they're right there. That was the in, win. In, in my head, it was a make or break deal. I knew it for sure. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, my, my brain had already moved on to like, yeah, I don't know, siphoning tanks or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so you arrived back, you, you did not, you were not in penalty for the, for the no. uh, last leg. You arrived back. And they score you up at ninety nine thousand one hundred ninety four points. Where did you did you think you'd won it? Did you think you had enough? Um, I honestly didn't know if I'd won it, but I knew I'd done everything I could do. There, um, I was a little. Um, I didn't feel a hundred percent because there was a couple high point bonuses out in California that I wanted to get and couldn't. Um, one was. Um, um, loud i think it was loud and then one was uh the big high point one was ski and it kind of ended a loop up through mm-hmm. the sierra nevadas and it was a daylight only bonus and um <clears throat> i picked up muir which was a time limited bonus that had either be there at 8 p.m and then that ski bonus i just got hung up on a couple different things and couldn't get to it and uh, wasn't sure if um, that was going to be something i needed and everyone else got or not um yeah. The, the mirror bonus, one of my other big hangups of the rally was, um, you know, Google usually does pretty well for me, but um, sometimes the pins that when you select a, a location and the location of the actual lat long pin for the bonus locations, or sometimes they're in a little bit different location. Mm-hmm. Well, this normally it's not a real big deal, um, but this mirror bonus is in a river canyon. And uh, I, I had ridden this goat trail probably 25 miles out this mountainside. And, uh, you know, Google says, uh, your destination is on the left or you reached your destination. And I'm looking at my Garmin 
Yeah, and uh, it, the pin got dropped on the other side of this river canyon, oh, and I and I was about twenty miles out of the way to get around to it. <laughs> oh, wow. So I had to do this big end around and get back there um, with just minutes to spare to get that eight p.m. cutoff, and it kind of closed the window on getting that that uh, time limited ski bonus I was hoping to get. So at that yeah. point, it was just you know cut it and um, going back to Provo. So it was. Yeah. Um, take just a, enough naps to that I can take uh, or need to get back and then get back before eight. There was one, one bonus at Transcon um, that I picked up uh, in, uh, on the way in, on the way in. Yeah. On 80, yeah. but it well, was a, it was a tough, challenging, brutal leg three. <laughs> yeah. This, I, I mean, granted this is your, so if we had, we didn't mention this before, this is your rookie rally. You are the first rookie, I think, to ever. Well, I, actually, Jeff said you were the first rookie to win the Iron Butt Rally, but somebody no, else pointed out there's, somebody there's else been was. multiple. Yeah, yeah, there's been multiple rookie uh, winners of the Iron Butt. Yep. Yeah. So, but, gosh, what a what a run. I mean, what I was going to say there though is, I mean, granted, I've I've had different strategies for each of the three Iron Butt rallies I've run, but man, this one was the toughest. I, I yeah. thought, in just in terms of making you, I mean the the 2017 it was the the strings and you were doing right. four bonuses at a time and you had to plan everything ahead of time there was no and you had to stick to, to it yeah time. right yep yeah. and 20 2019 as on leg three at least there was i mean just define like here's your route it's just go this and you're gonna have this giant combo that's gonna be all your points and it's uh-huh. what you can add to that and i think the description that jeff gave was perfect where he's like he basically dumped a bunch of Legos on the on the floor with the expectation we were going to make a spaceship, and then sat back and enjoyed as people made an ostrich out of yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, when yeah. I was talking to him after the, the event, he's like, "I knew I I knew I it was I had done well when the spot track out of uh, Huntsville just looked like, poof, yeah, like that, and just everyone yeah. going in different directions. Yeah, so it was." it was not easy to find a, a good route. That's for sure. And, yeah. And honestly, in the, I, I had kind of creeping around in the back of my head, um, that because I had taken all of those Southern States off the table, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I did, I didn't have the South route as an option. Um, yeah. and there was a lot of points down there. There was a lot of combos. There was a lot of big, uh, point bonuses down there. And I knew a lot of those top riders that all went North, um, we're going to be going down that way. And I didn't spend any time calculating routes really down there. So I didn't know what kind of points were available. And, uh, yeah, I, I had no idea I, I'd won. I knew I'd done well, and I knew I'd, I'd ridden the best route I could ride and the best mm-hmm. ride I could ride. Um, but I just didn't know if it was going to be enough, especially with a lot yeah. of these riders that you have that are just, uh, I mean, just amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, ba- the, the number one big question, will you be back? for 2023 i don't know i don't know um really? I'll, I'll be honest right now i'm i'm gonna take a bit of a break from the rally stuff um i've been kind of pushing pretty hard with it um for the past few years and doing a lot of rallies and um pushing hard in the rallies and um yeah i mean i i have to figure out a way to kind of maybe dial it back a little bit um to just keep on doing it. i've got you know two young kids at home and uh uh, a wife who is so mo- so much more supportive than any wife should be uh, for rally riding. You know, 
with her dad being involved in this and uh, this being a real connection for her to the rallying community and a lot of his friends. Um, she, she has been so much more supportive than most anyone can even imagine, you know, um, yeah. which has been awesome. It's been awesome. But um, yeah, I, I, I want to take a little bit of a break for a while. I'm not saying I'm not going to do it. Um, but I'm, so, I'm, so what you're I'm saying sure. is that some I'm other, sure. some other people might have a chance and some rallies coming up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I can for a hundred percent sure I'm not riding anymore this year. Um, and I've told everyone who's asked me about upcoming rallies that I'm, I'm, I'm not doing them or I'm, I'm taking a break and yep. We'll just see how that goes. I'd say you earned it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I did what I wanted to do. I came yeah. and I, uh, I, I rode a, the, the efficient, route or the efficient riding style that i was hoping to do i i, I wanted to make very me- few mistakes i made a lot of mistakes in the previous rallies i don't know if you heard about those but um you know heart of texas um i made a uh, i rode a really good route really good rally um and i got to scoring and found out that uh, this whole big giant thread that i'd been working for four days for um i in reordering some bonuses in this one little area i had just ridden right by one of these bonuses that i thought i had already got and that was a cr- critical error um, in that, you know, the year before at the, uh, the senior butt rally, Dave Biasotti and I, we rode a really uh, great route and uh, we got to scoring and found out that we forgot to put our odometer readings on our rest receipts, which was like the entire rally's worth of points. So that was pretty critical. Yeah. Um, so I knew I had to come and be efficient and ride hard and uh, route well and not make mistakes. And I felt like I did that. So. Yeah. Well, this may be this may be the longest episode of Long Riders Radio ever, but uh, <laughs> I think it's been well worth it. Are you uh, game for the LD dozen? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, first question: What was your first motorcycle, and why? Uh, so my first motorcycle was a, uh, a Honda uh, CBR F4 uh, hmm. carbureted uh, F4 uh, sport bike. You know, I was in my, I was probably 20 years old when I bought that bike and had some friends with motorcycles and, uh, it's cool, but cool bike at the time and got me out riding and, you know, kind of in the, into the game. Yeah. All right. Where did you take your first overnight ride? You know, I've heard you ask this question to everyone that's been on your podcast and I've thought about it. I honestly don't know where my first overnight ride was. Um, I would have to say probably riding like all through the night overnight, uh, somewhere would be probably my first rally on the Cal 24. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I motorcycle lights suck and riding at night is not really enjoyable (laughs) unless you're a long distance rider. Um, yeah. Early on the, my early days of riding, I had no, no, uh, desire to go ride through the night (laughs) on a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) Not many do. <laughs> no, yeah. At least not any, not anyone who's sane. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number three. What is your day job? And explain in context of your day job where you are at right now. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm a pilot for Southwest Airlines. And uh, I'm sitting outside of my room here at the Andes Resort in Maui. Um, just came over this morning from Sacramento. Um, nice. Yeah. It's the best job in the world. So I, 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 I should probably start asking, are you, are you captain or first officer? Uh, I'm first officer. Yeah. I've been here about okay. seven years. I'm, I'm pretty close to, uh, getting over to the left seat, but COVID kind of slowed the, that down. But yeah. to be totally honest, I, I'm, I'm more than content right now where I'm at. 
Um, I've, I've done the captain thing quite a bit. I came, I was Continental Express for nine years before mm-hmm. coming here and uh, spent a lot of time in the left seat commuting across the country doing it. But um, yeah, right now I drive to work, uh, I drive down to Oakland and uh, I fly to Hawaii. Uh, the common question as an airline pilot is always, what's your route? And it's kind of a comical question because we don't really have a route per yeah. se. Um, but for the first time ever in my uh, airline career, I, I kind of do have the, a route and I fly the Hawaii wow. route and it's kind of cool. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a rough one to have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you got to work for a living, this is the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, wow. All right, question number four. What is your favorite non-motorcycling hobby? When I when I asked this question to Mike Best, he said flying. And I was like, well, that's your job. It can't be oh, your, your hobby too, but yeah, it is. So. I, I, I like planes and I like flying, but um, I get enough of it at work to where, uh, you know, I like to do other things um, with my days off. Um, and, you know, like I was saying, I've, I'm married and I've got two boys at home and they're just involved in everything, sports. And um, I, I, I really like to get, back into you know backpacking and outdoor stuff and fishing and some of that kind of stuff I'm, i live in such a beautiful part of the country where there's so many outdoorsy things to do um I, and I, that's it's kind of my hobby that's been on the list of things to do and then yeah. like i said I've, I've always been involved in cars so i kind of want to get back into the uh like the custom car stuff and the hot rod type stuff and and start wrenching on something else so so something that's more expensive than motorcycling. <laughs> yeah, you know the motorcycling has been a fantastic hot. Well, it's it's definitely sucked up a lot of money. I was going to say it's cheaper than a car, but it, it is cheaper yeah. than a car. <laughs> but it, you, you well, can find a way to make it expensive pretty quick. Yeah, um, yeah. Takes up a little less room, um, may, maybe slightly less expensive, um, <laughs> but it's a hobby like anything else, man. It's an endless pit. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, there. It is absolutely true when they say eleven days, eleven thousand miles, eleven thousand dollars. It's oh yeah. I bet a lot of people ask me how much it costs, and I don't even really want to add it up. But I mean, when you start getting into the the gear and the electronics and everything yeah. you do to your motorcycle, on top of just the cost of the rally, the cost of the rally is the the smallest portion of the whole thing. Yeah. Although that being said, I I did stop in Bridgeport, California, at one point on the rally, and it was uh, five ninety nine a gallon for gas. And I put nearly $70 in my motorcycle. Wow. <laughs> it's like av gas prices. There. Yeah. So I don't know. My, my gas bill on the rally was probably a lot higher than I think it is. Well, get my credit 13, card statement here soon. Yeah. You do almost 14,000 miles. You'll, you'll get yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number five, what is your favorite road? So, um, my favorite roads are all um, out right next to my house in California. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, this rally stuff has taken me to some amazing roads. And uh, I, I, I would say my favorite road just for a pure motorcycling experience of having a good, nice, twisty, um, just sporty road that's well paved and not a lot of traffic and in a beautiful setting is um, Highway 3. From about five miles south of 299 to about 15 miles south of 299, it's a stretch of three that goes between 299 and 36. Um, hmm. It's it's just phenomenal road. I, I I do this out and back from my house quite a bit. And I did a t- did it a ton preparing for the rally just to go get some miles in. Um, but yeah, 299, Highway 3, and Highway 36 is a loop that I do for my house. That's it's all great roads. And then if I had nice. to throw one more in there, I think it's uh, yeah. 20, 20 from um, Willits to or from Fort Bragg to Willits. 
um, okay. is another just phenomenal road. Hmm. I have to look that one up. I haven't heard that yeah. one yet. Oh yeah, if you've never been on it, you'll you'll have to you have to try it out sometime if you're out there. Yeah. All right. Flip side, least favorite road. What interstate is it? Um, you know, honestly, I don't mind the interstate so much. Just like we were talking about earlier, that's the one time I yeah. can get out and stretch a little bit. No, that's true. Um, yeah. There was a road or a highway, I guess you could call it, on the heart of Texas, out in West Texas, through a little town called Orla. And it was, I, I can't give you the name of the road, um, but it was um, out through the oil fields out there. And there's a makeshift city out there. And this road was the most miserable, horrible road I've ever been on in my life. For one, every other five miles, one lane was closed off and they would do lane control uh, back and forth. So that was horrible for rally timing. But it was just potholed and destroyed and huge. I don't know. They weren't frost heaves, but almost like frost heaves where you know, real sharp, you know, speed bump like bumps in the road. And I, man, I feel like I about broke everything on the motorcycle and. You know, it smells yeah. like oil, and it's West Texas, and it was a yeah, miserable road. <laughs> I don't. Did you go up to Fort Wayne to that that uh, cemetery up there? I did not know. Oh God, it just smelled like diesel the entire way. I mean, it was pouring down rain. Like, how could it be pouring down rain and smell this bad? But, uh, <laughs> that was very. I'm sure. Same yeah. same idea. Just like, yeah. Oh, get me yeah. Out when, of you, this. when it when it gets all the senses, yeah. and man, it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah. It makes for a memorable experience. <laughs> yeah. All right. Question number seven. Uh, what do you use to plan your rally? Are you on base camp? No. No. I don't use base camp at all. So what um, do you use? I used I use Google. I use my maps. Hmm. I use okay. uh yeah. I use uh I use Excel. I, I spread back yeah. up. I use Excel. Um I do a lot in Excel. I actually took a course online to hope to try to do some stuff in Excel I was hoping that it could do. Um, so I do a lot in Excel and then I, I do everything else in my maps it, with Google. And then, uh, and then that carries over to my phones and then to my GPSs. Yeah. So it, it goes from there to my Garmin's. Nothing goes through Basecamp. Yeah. So how do you get it to, how do you get it to your Garmin without going through Basecamp? Uh, you can just convert the file in my maps to uh, oh, KML, KML and then KML okay. to a GPX with a converter. Um, and okay. then you can either build your legs and convert those legs in your Garmin um, or and, and on all the waypoints. Just go over that way, too. OK, um, so your, your Garmin must have the ability to get stuff into it a little more easier than mine does without going through base camp. I mean, it, it can be done, but it's not. Well, and so that that is one of the reasons why, you know, all of my friends that use base camp, um, they spend more time cussing at it than anything else or talking about how it's crashing, you know, yep. it's crashing and it doesn't work and it's not doing any, what it needs to do. Um, and it just seems, I know it does some good things. I know it's not very intuitive and I'm sure that if I really spent the time to, to learn it, that it would have some, um, some advantages. But as of right yeah. now, there's been no real tangible advantage to going to base camp for me. Um, I can do everything I need with, the. Uh, with Google and with timing through my GPS and just some math and stuff. Google, there are a few things that I wish Google could do. I wish that, um, you know, they, they limit the leg length um, to 10 waypoints. So you got to build multiple yeah. layers and multiple maps yep. and stuff. And then you got to do some math and some conversions and stuff to do your timing, which is difficult. You know, you, you can't do like you can at Basecamp where you can just plug in a start time and say, what time am I going to be here? Mm -hmm. here, and here? It takes a little more mental math to get it all down. But the ease of use and then the uh, 
the ability to just have all of that available on your your devices and then also i think the sorting the the sorting and and there's a lot of magic you can do with spreadsheets and my maps that yeah. I, pe- I think people don't realize you can do um yeah. so yeah no base camp right. <laughs> <laughs> don't start if you don't have to don't start <laughs> All right. Uh, question number eight. If you get a new motorcycle tomorrow, what is the first sparkle you're going to put on it? Uh, you know, I actually thought about this in reality the other day because the, they came out with a new Gen 3 Hayabusa and I, you know, entertained the idea of it. And uh, I <laughs> I think, you know, I don't I don't think my seat would go like uh, I'm pretty sure the seat won't swap over. So I think the first thing I'd probably add would be some, you know, my um that quad lock mount to put my mount my phone just because everything you know with my bluetooth goes through my phone so um yeah that'd probably be first the first farkle maybe not the most important but the first one okay we we have talked at length about the hayabusa do you have any other motorcycles uh no well i've got a uh dirt bike i got a honda 450 um dirt bike and a bunch of dirt bikes for my kids and stuff but no no other street bikes and then that seat you were just talking about, who made it? That's uh, made by Seth Lamb at uh, Lamb okay. Custom Seats. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a local guy in uh, in Reading. Um, mm-hmm. To him, and then also Russell Daylong are, are just down the road from me. Um, yeah, which is, you know, kind of strange, but uh, nice, yeah, no, nice problem to have. Of we've had more than a few guests uh, come stay at our house that are coming from you know <laughs> across the country to go get seats made you know at various places but yep uh seth at uh, lamb lamb custom seats made that seat for me and uh yeah, it's nice. been it's been a great seat all right question number 11 what is your favorite or the most interesting place you've visited on your motorcycle um i would say oh man i don't know um uh me and uh, my good buddy ryan nardo uh we did a, a ride up to uh, uh canada we did this big five-day loop up through uh the canadian rockies and then down through glacier and and then across 12 through over lolo pass a few years back and one of the cool parts coolest parts about that ride was going doing ice fields parkway between yeah. uh jasper and banff it was just an awesome experience um you know the road uh, the uh it's kind of overcast and rainy a little bit, but high enough overcast to where you could see all the mountains and the glaciers. And, um, yeah, I mean, we spent probably a day doing, I and mean, we were doing these big legs to get up there. And then we did about a 150 mile day <laughs> where we yeah. went from Jasper and just kind of putzed around all the way down to, to Banff and then hung out in Banff. And it was, uh, yeah. Awesome. Such a cool, cool area. And yeah. Yeah. I would really like to go back up that way and, and, and spend some more time up there. I wanted to do that this year, but with COVID, you know, yeah, I, uh, I did that on Butt but Light Eight. I went up there, and it was the timing was such that I didn't. I, I went to Lake Louise, but I didn't go up, continue up, and go to on Icefields Parkway. And I regret oh. the heck out of that. Oh, really? You've and never done that? Right there? No. Yeah. It was right there, and that that's gonna have to be something as soon as Canada you have back to, up. You to, have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a must. I, you know, Lake Louise was actually. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's beautiful, but it, yeah. it's definitely a tourist trap too. You oh know? yeah, yeah. There that's... was people everywhere, just shoulder to shoulder people. Um, but I, I mean, I you would can put see it why. Like, yeah, I'd put it like Niagara Falls, where it's yeah. like it's yeah. 
epic to look at, but it's epic yeah. to look at with a million of your closest friends. Yeah, I, I was thinking Yosemite. And, you know, it's one of these very, yeah. like, space-limited areas where you're looking at one specific thing, you, like Yosemite Valley, which is very confined, or, you know, yeah. um, Lake Louise, which is a beautiful, picturesque place, but, man, everybody's there. <laughs> yeah. All right, question number 12. How do you pass the time on a long ride? Uh, I just do music. Yeah, I, hmm. I do music. Um, uh, I've, I've tried the, I do a lot of podcasts outside of motorcycling. I do a three hour drive to work. So I do tons of podcasts, yeah. which are amazing, but I cannot do it on the bike. I just can't get into it. I can't get focused enough and pay, pay enough attention to it in a car. Just droning along is one thing, but being on a motorcycle is different. So, yeah. um, yeah, I got, I have music playing along the background. All right, one bonus, not, we'll, we'll call this the LD Dozen, but I realized I was going to ask you this question earlier, and I didn't. Tell me about your water your water system on the bike. Because it, it I, I originally thought it was your exhaust, and it turns <laughs> out it's your water, water system. So talk about that thing. Yeah, so, I mean, like everything I've done with that motorcycle, um, I've really tried to kind of, uh, I don't know, reinvent the wheel with um, how to make it as efficient and streamlined and integrated as possible you know the fuel tank is built into the frame the frame section mm -hmm. to get the, the tank in there um the headlight and all that but that water container um i i started off with a camelback in my in my tank bag which worked well it, it insulated enough to where it kept it cold and but it just took up so much valuable real estate for me that i needed to get it out of there and build something to get the to get a place where i could put a lot of water in it keep it cold and uh, be low maintenance and out of the way. So I went through about four different variants of that tank. Um, and the first few worked, worked well, but the problem was is if I spilled fuel in my ox tank, when I overfilled, they would go into my water, which um, was yeah, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. A drop of fuel in your water goes a long way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that was all bad. I had a bracket break on the like version 2.0, uh, just went to zip ties. And then, uh, you know, I ended up building a bracket system that was strong enough to hold a gallon of water that, uh, you know, can just get beat to hell out there, you know, through all of the, the paces that it's going to take. And, um, yeah, I took a one gallon, uh, double walled insulated container, um, did some fitting work on it and found a, a actually a gas cap for a boat, online that is the just the perfect cap because it's it's covered so you could spill something on top of it and it's not going to get in from underneath it's yeah. sealed and it's vented so the water will, will drain out and it uh yeah. it it works it works great so it's all plumbed in through the bike and on a quick disconnect up top so i can just disconnect everything and take everything off um wow. and i've got a i got a gallon of water so every it seemed like about every other gas stop so every thousand miles or so i would uh you know i'd grab a big gallon of water and a couple gatorades and maybe a green you know monster or something and slam that and pour a gallon of water in there and i'd be on my way hmm. um, but yeah we're good yeah and well, and you didn't even really know it's there <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I, what i didn't to want to out. do was have one of those big coleman cooler type style things that everyone else runs on their you know touring bikes hanging off the side of this yeah. high so it just i didn't i couldn't <laughs> it was not happening <laughs> so well congratulations you ran one hell of a rally and Thank like you. i said you you really kick some butt in this thing 
and uh, it was, yeah. I mean, just if you have a chance to go to go look at the score sheets, go look at Mike's score sheet and then compare it to other people's, and you'll see what a dominant rally he had. And it's something that people are going to be talking about for for years to come, I think. But uh, anything else you want to talk about before I let you go? Uh, just want to say thank you to uh to the staff um of the rally I, I didn't really get the chance to do i did to some people that were there but um man what an operation that is to put that rally on yeah. I, I can't even imagine you know not only dealing with you know nearly 100 riders and all the staff and everything but then doing that over you know multiple locations <laughs> across yeah. the country where you got to pack up and move and reset up and break down and, and have all of just the, the little things, you know, you know, who's printing out this, who's got enough paper, who's got the cords, who's got this, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I can't even imagine the logistics that go into putting that operation together. And it's just top notch. It is top yeah. notch from yeah. start to finish. Um, I mean, even our, our, our uh, rally packet, you know, came in this like leather yeah. bound engraved. Um, it was just, yeah, it was amazing. So yeah. Thanks and to all of the, we, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I, I, okay, so we got this. We got this mug, and I'm looking at this side of it, and then I turn it around, and oh my uh, god, they engraved it with our name and our number. Uh-huh. Oh, I mean, it was just well, like, mine's mine's incorrect now. I need to go. Uh, yeah, amend mine. you need a new one. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a real long seventy-seven thousand number or something on it. And now it's uh, I think six twenty. So it's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, that is Mike Brook, uh, the winner of the 2021 Iron Butt Rally. Congratulations again. Thanks, Justin, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, if you'd like to get in contact with me, there's lots of ways you can do it. Easiest way is to head over to that website, www.longridersradio.com. And hey, another big shout out to the folks over at DiscountRamps.com for their support on this episode. DiscountRamps.com offers a huge selection of power sports products for your ATV, UTV, motorcycle, and more. Long Riders Radio listeners can save 15% on their order by using coupon code LONG, that's L-O-N-G, over at DiscountRamps.com. And as always, we need to thank this show's founder, Mr. Michael Cox. You know, I was talking to Mike the other day and I mentioned to him, like, hey, Mike, we're kind of up on 100 episodes here. That's pretty amazing. What do you thought about the last 80 or so? And he said... It gets very tedious and very tiring. Ride safe, everyone, and congratulations again to Mike. 